Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome to the Agent of Wealth Podcast. This is your host, Mark Babis. This past month has brought on a challenging investment environment. After a great 2019 for the markets, the economy and markets were humming along and off to a strong start in 2020. However, in late February, the coronavirus started spreading outside China and we saw an initial panic. The following week, again, there was a lot of daily volatility in the stock market and it went up and down, almost alternating each day. Last week, we got off to a terrible start in the markets because of not only the coronavirus fears, but also there was an oil price war between the OPEC cartel. So the market right now, it's spooked and doesn't know if everything going on is going to lead to a recession or not. And while seeing the market drop and listening to news about it, it's emotionally taxing. We can't control the market. We can't control the impact of the coronavirus, whether the Fed's going to lower or raise rates, or if Saudi Arabia is going to flood the market with oil. So it's important to focus on things that you can control. And on today's show, we're going to talk about six strategies that you can control, and they may benefit you financially and definitely worth exploring. So the first one we're going to talk about is rebalancing your portfolio. And no matter what you're trying to do with your investment portfolio, whether it's retirement, save for your, your child's education, or just save in an investment account, uh, you should really should have a strategy on how you allocate those investments. And we'll take an example. Let's say that the right strategy is to be 50% in stocks and 50% in bonds, and we'll keep it simple. However, what's going to happen is over time, usually the stocks will increase in value faster than the bonds will, which means that over time, more of your portfolio will be will start getting allocated more and more towards stocks. So after a year, it may go from 50-50 to 60% stocks and 40% bonds. Then after a couple years after that, it may be 70% stocks and 30% bonds, and it'll just keep getting bigger and bigger. And what happens is you just become more and more aggressive over time, even though you didn't intend to do that. So rebalancing is periodically bringing that allocation back to your strategy. And what that means is that you sell some of the things that have gone up and you purchase some of the things that have decreased in in value. And you might be thinking, well, if my stocks are going up, that's great. Why don't I just keep letting it ride? Well, one of the things that can happen, and we can see it in a time like this in the markets, are the market does go down. You're too heavily allocated in stocks. Emotionally, you panic and you decide to sell everything, which could be at the inopportune time to, to do so. So you do want to have the, the, the correct allocation uh, for you know stocks and bonds, conservative, aggressive. Um, that makes sense for you for your, to hit your goals, but also you know that you're comfortable with and you can handle emotionally with it. So we'll take a, a, two quick examples of um, when rebalancing did work is if we look in December of 2018. So December 2018, we saw a big market drop, mainly because of a trade war with China and the Fed raising rates uh, a couple times in, in 2018. So there was almost about a 10% drop in December of 2018. Now, if you rebalance them, I like to rebalance quarterly or when things materially change in the allocation. But if you rebalanced at the end of that year, 
what would happen was you would have bought some some since the stocks did go down in December, you would have bought more stocks with the rebalance to get you back to what your your target allocation was. And you would have sold some of the fixed income that went up in December when people were fleeing to safety. And then what happened sub, um, subsequently in January and January, February, March of 2019, the market popped up, the market increased. And by purchasing more stocks in 2018, you would have taken advantage of that that market increase more than if you if you did you know if you didn't um, allocate a little bit more during the rebalance. Another instance where it made sense, again one year later for the reverse reason in December 2019. So in 2019 we saw big gains in the stock market, and if you would have rebalanced at the end of the year in 2019, what you would have done is sold off some of the stocks that have appreciated purchased some fixed income that didn't appreciate as fast or went down a little bit in 2019. And then fast forward to where we are now, your portfolio wouldn't have gotten hit as hard uh, now with the market drop or market volatility because you would have sold off some of the some of the stocks to get back to your, your target allocation. So it doesn't always work perfectly like that, but it's a good technique to use to make sure that you stay disciplined with your investment strategy and that you're not straying too far off your allocations. Okay, so the second um, strategy we're gonna talk about is a Roth conversion. So what a Roth conversion is, is that you're taking pre-tax money and you're paying the tax now on it to get it into a Roth IRA where you'll never owe tax on it again, assuming that you meet a couple criteria, um, you know, in terms of when you take the money out of the account. So when you have a retirement account, when you have retirement IRAs, you have two, there's there's usually two ways that they're structured. So one is pre-tax, and that's your traditional IRA, your traditional 401k, where you're making pre-tax contributions, and you're getting a deduction in the year that you make the contribution. However, when you take the money out uh, when you get older in retirement, you're paying ordinary income tax uh, on those uh, on that money that you take out. And the common thinking is that when you retire and you start taking money out of your retirement account, you'll be in a lower tax bracket. But a lot of times that's not true. When you factor in all of your IRA distributions, your Social Security, any other income that you have coming in, oftentimes you're in a higher tax bracket than than you are. Um, at the time that you're working. So the other the other option is the Roth IRA or Roth 401k. And the way this works is you're making post-tax contributions to it. And when you do retire, you, you don't have to pay any tax on the money you take out. So it's, it's really you're building this tax-free retirement nest egg. And it has some other benefits to it in terms of estate planning. And also because you've paid tax on it, you're, you're allowed a little more flexibility in utilizing the funds prior to age 59 than you are on the pre-tax version of the, of the IRA. However, by converting to a Roth IRA, it means you're paying the tax now. So you're taking the pain now of paying tax on any amount that you convert over to, to a Roth. Um, so as an example, let's say you're in a 20% tax bracket and you wanna convert $25,000 of your pre-tax IRA into a Roth. You'd owe 5,000 in taxes the year that you do the contribution. Um, so it's a, you know, you'd have to take into account that you are front paying some of this tax that uh, on the on the conversion the year that you make it. And there are really two good times where converting money into a Roth makes sense. So one is in a year where your income is less and you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. So as an example, let's say you are a business owner and you your income is not just uh, varies month to month, but let's say one year is is really good and the next year is not not as good. So the year that the income is not as good is definitely an opportunity to look and see whether it makes sense to convert 
any of your IRA into a Roth because you're converting it and paying tax at a lower tax bracket than in the year that you had the really good year. The second time where it may make sense to convert money into a Roth is the year is a year where the value of your IRA is down. So that's really what the use case that we're looking at now is if you if you do have a drop in your IRA value, the amount that you're converting is less, and that's the amount that you're going to have to pay tax on, which then translates into less tax that you would have to pay for the for the conversion. So in that example we just looked at, where if you're converting twenty five thousand. Into, and you're in the 20% tax bracket, you're going to owe 5,000 in taxes. But let's say the value dropped and it's 20,000 now that you're that you have and that you're converting. You'd only have to pay 4,000 in taxes, so you're saving an extra thousand dollars in in taxes. And you don't have to convert your entire IRA. You can do partial conversions. Um, one of the strategies I like to employ is called filling the bucket, which means you convert to a Roth up to the amount that would push you up into a higher tax bracket. And that's really the bucket is the tax bracket that you're in. And whatever's left over, you'd look at, at converting that amount over into your into your Roth IRA. So we don't know what the future tax rates can be, but I have software that I use to run scenarios to model side by side the benefit of converting to a Roth IRA versus not converting. And, and you can make an analyzed um, you know, decision on whether it makes sense to do it or not. The third strategy we're going to talk about is refinancing your mortgage. So interest rates have come down substantially this year, especially the past month. And what happened, so not only did we have the Fed lowering rates, and they made actually a 50 um, basis point or or a, a half a percent drop last week. And while it doesn't correlate exactly to mortgage interest rates lowering, there has been a lowering of interest rates. And lowering interest rates means the opportunity to refinance debt. So one rule of thumb is that if you can lower your mortgage rate by 1%, it's worth refinancing. But I'm not the biggest fan of rules of thumb. So I like to run scenarios to analyze whether it makes sense or, or not. Really, you're just looking at, you know, over the life of, of your loan, whether and you can even, fa- you know, you want to factor in your closing costs, um, other refinance costs. The, the refinance probably does have closing costs associated with them. You want to look and see what what does it does it make sense to uh, to refinance or not. You you also want to take into consideration the length of the refinance. So if you're let's say five years into a 30-year mortgage, and if you refinance back into a 30-year mortgage, that means there's going to be an extra five years of payments that you would have that you wouldn't have if you kept your original mortgage. But Using a spreadsheet that I'll make available in the show notes, you can quickly look at, well, if I refinance, here's the amount that I'll pay over the life of the loan versus if I didn't refinance, here's what, what the scenario looks like and here's how much I would I would have to pay. Um, one opportunity that it, it definitely arises now is the ability to refinance from a 30-year into a 15-year mortgage. So 15 years, really two of my favorite things in, in finance are 15-year mortgages and Roth IRAs that we just talked about. But 15-year mortgages have a tremendous savings on the interest that you pay. And you know, as far as all the different mortgages that, that are out there, I think they give the best bang for the buck in terms of the interest that you'll pay over the life of the loan. So I was recently looking at a scenario where someone had a $500,000 mortgage And they were looking at refinancing into either a 30-year or a 15-year. So with the 30-year, their mortgage payment would be about $2,300 per month. Um, With the 15-year, it would be $3,300 per month. So it's a full $1,000 per month more going to the 15-year. But over the life of the loan, they'll save over $200,000 of interest on that loan. So that's just interest. 
that they would be saving by doing it. But to do it, you're paying an extra $12,000 a year and your cash flow has to be able to, to support it. And some people may be thinking, I just refinanced recently or I just purchased my home recently and it probably doesn't make sense for me to do you know, a refinance again so soon. But my recommendation is run the numbers. And, you know, like I said, I, I have that spreadsheet that I'll link to in the show notes and anyone's happy to download it and, and use it. Or if you'd like to, you know, to bounce some ideas off someone, I'd be happy to, to, to talk to you about whether a refinance makes sense or not. The next uh, strategy we're going to talk about is prepaying your retirement plan. So we're approaching the end of tax season. And for most people, that means the deadline of getting your IRA contribution in uh, for 2019. And that's all well and good and definitely makes sense to, to make your, your IRA contribution. But one strategy is that you can actually prepay your 2020 contribution. So this is, you don't, don't wait until next year to make your 2020 contribution. Do it now. So forget about whether the markets are down and it's a good time to, to add money to the markets or not. It gives you a full year extra of having your money in a tax advantage account, account where you're deferring taxes or in a Roth account where it's where it's tax free. So you, having that extra year and when you factor that over your working career and that you're putting money into an IRA every year, it actually adds up to a significant amount more that you'd have by the time you retire if you prepay your, your IRA contribution rather than if you make it uh, closer to the deadline. When you factor in the fact that the stock prices are lower right now. It's just another reason to, you know, we don't know what stocks will do next month, next six months, or at the same time when you're looking at making your 2020 contribution. But we do know that they're a lot lower right now than they were three weeks ago. And because of that, and because of it gives you that extra year of deferring taxes, it's definitely something to do. The next one we'll talk about is harvesting tax losses. Again, we're in a scenario where there's been a big market drop recently. So we may have some losses in our investment account. But again, it's not just really now that we have to think about it. This, this is a strategy that can work at any time, whether the markets are up or down. But if you do have some losses, what harvesting losses means is that you sell investments that you have a loss in, and you can use that loss to offset any capital gains that you have during the year. Or if your losses are more than your gains, you can take a deduction of up to $3,000 in losses per year. If your losses are more than $3,000, you can carry them forward and take them the next year, or, or you can carry them forward as long as you want and take them in a subsequent year. So this only applies to investments in taxable accounts. In your IRAs, your 401ks, any qualified account, it doesn't matter because you're deferring paying tax on it anyway. The losses, you have to sell any investment that you have a loss that you want to harvest. It has to be sold by December 31st. So it's not the April 15th tax deadline. It's actual calendar year deadline. And on a recent podcast show, which was episode 35, I talked about a new investment strategy called direct indexing, which automatically does this tax loss harvesting for you. And like I said earlier, in good time, you know, when the market's good and when the market's bad, you can still take advantage of it. But with the market dropping over the past couple of weeks, it is a good opportunity to look at your investment portfolio and see if you have any opportunity to harvest a loss. And you can always move on to, to the next investment with it or use the proceeds from the sale to purchase something that you've been, you know, you had your eye on or that you wanted to purchase with it. The last thing I want to talk about is your risk profile. So no one likes to see your account value go down or get a statement when things go, go down. Uh, you know, but we all have to be comfortable with our investments and we all have to be able to sleep at night. 
And if you're panicking, it probably means that you're not properly allocated in your in your account. And I'm always preaching a risk first investment approach, which is understand how much risk you have, how much risk you're comfortable with, and how much risk you should have to hit your goals. You don't have to take any more or less risk than you need to. It's it's really just to you know the, our investments are what's are really geared towards driving us to hit our goals. Um, you know, it's not really about am I beating? Did I beat the market this year? Did I beat my benchmark? It's it's really about am I still on track to hit my goals? And you know, being comfortable with the risk you have is is important because what it allows you to do is be able to you know we know that there's going to be recessions, there's going to be market drops, there's going to be bear markets. They've happen throughout history. Nothing's changed to the fact that we still are in market cycles. So the economy is a cycle. The investment market is a cycle. It has its ups. It hits a peak. It has downs. It hits a trough and it repeats itself. We never know how long that cycle is going to be and how long we'll be in each part of that cycle. But we know that there are going to be times where the market has great gains and times where there are losses. But it's important to not try and time the market. Take a strategy um, where you have you do have risk in your account because you most likely need to have growth with your investments. But um, like I said, you want to have the right amount of risk, not have too much where you panic, sell everything. And what you're doing is the reverse of, of what most people should do is that you sell when things go down and you purchase when you, know, you have that euphoria when things go up, you feel confident, but you're really buying at market high. So you really want to make sure you understand your risk profile. And if it does need to be adjusted, um, you know, you take the action and adjust it. That, you know, the first strategy I talked about was rebalancing. And that's a way to constantly or periodically adjust your risk profile in your account so that it, it is what you what you want in there. It's not too much more or too much less than what you should have. So that just about wraps up this episode. And remember, focus on the things you can control. You know, we talked about today, rebalancing Roth conversions, refinancing, harvesting tax losses, uh, prepaying your retirement plan. And while all these may not be applicable to everyone, they are definitely worth exploring in good times with the market, but especially in times of market volatility that we're in now. So if you have any questions on whether any of these can help you, I'm happy to talk. You can schedule a call with me at BoutisFinancial.com, and there's a, on the top right, there's a schedule a call button. Thanks for listening. This is Mark Boutis, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.